Hey, this is Jeff Dixon, and I'm the pastor of Water Life Miami here in Miami, Oklahoma, and this is our podcast. I hope the next few minutes encourage you and cause you to live a life further after the things of God. Enjoy. conference call webinar, not webinar, but we meet face, it's actually, it's pretty cool, we um, can see each other's faces, it's really cool, one of these days, hopefully not too far out, you all will meet Pastor Dan face to face, we've seen him uh, on uh, video as we've done some uh, lessons in our small group, and uh, anyway, I was meeting with him and a couple of other pastors across the country, and we were talking about some things that just made me think about our series that we're in the midst of called Permission. And I want to talk about some of that today. I'm going to try not to be overly lengthy, but how about we just cover what God wants us to cover? Can we do that today? Um, but if you'll know or if you'll recall, we are finally started the series Permission, and we're looking at the answered prayers of Paul. Now, the reason I'm referring to them as the answered prayers of Paul is because we are living in the answered side of his prayers. Now, um, his prayers may not have been specifically the kind, the ones we're looking at where he walks up to somebody and he lays his hands on somebody and says that they would be healed. Um, Not those kind of answered prayers, but the prayers he prayed for the church that apply for you and I today. Last week, we looked at Ephesians 1, and we discovered four elements of permission, the permissions that we have as believers to receive first the Holy Spirit for wisdom and revelation. The second was to know the hope in which God has called us, reminding ourselves of the calling that God has placed upon us. Another awesome permission is to know His glorious inheritance, something that we get to walk in today as joint heirs with Christ Jesus, and then to know the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us. Isn't it awesome to know that God has power, and that power is directed towards you and I as believers? We've got to be on the believer's side of that. We've got to be on the receiving side of that. But God has an immeasurable greatness of power that's been directed towards us. But today, I want to focus in on one aspect of permission that God has given us, and this might be something that can transform all of our lives. Of course, every time I uh, open up the Word of God, I pray that they would be messages that transform our lives. But I want us to grab hold of this one thing, because as we're already starting to ramp up or finish up 2018, this is something that can carry us to the end of the year, but more importantly, drive us into next year, and that is we have been given permission to think like God. Sometimes we need to be reminded that we've been given permission to do certain things. We've been given permission, Nash, to think like God. We need to be reminded sometimes of how He thinks and what He thinks and even what happens or the consequences that follow when we forget to walk in that permission. One of my pet peeves, if I can call it that, is when I've had someone, namely Abigail, Evelyn, or Claire, 
ask me if they can do something. I give them permission to do something, and moments later they come and ask me again if they can do that one thing that I've already given them permission to do. I've already said, you can do it. Feel free to go for it. And then they come and say, can I do this? And I'm like, were you not listening? Listen, one of the things that we've got to walk in as believers is the understanding of what the Word of God says about us. Not just read it, not just be hearers, but doers of the Word of God. So I'm going to start today by unveiling the prayer, which will not actually be our primary text. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. But I want to look at the prayer that Paul prayed to set the stage for having this permission to think like God. And we're going to look at this, which is found in his epistle, Philippians, the book of Philippians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, God's Electric Power Company, if you want to figure out a way to get those in the right order, or go eat popcorn, child. I don't know, I just made that one up. I've heard go eat popcorn, but I couldn't remember what seized Christian. I don't know. But um, anyway, Philippians, and we're going to open it up together right at the address that Paul has. And he says, or it opens or addresses, Paul and Timothy, we right now understand who's writing it because it's opened that way. Paul and Timothy, who are servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus. Now it says who are at Philippi, but we can address this towards ourselves as well as saints with the overseers and their deacons. Verse 2 says, grace to you and peace. Now, not all of this is going to be on the screen today. So, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I would love to sit in the company of somebody of the faith like Paul, who even from prison, even in chains, knew how to celebrate in the goodness of God to, to be addressed by Him in a way that he looks at us, even in chains, even in sorrow, but even great joy to say grace and peace from who God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be to you. And I could walk up today and grab the music stand and set it in front of us and in all that same confidence, I think we could all be reminded and it would be good for us to hear at times, if not all the time, to look at our lives, look at the circumstances we could be sitting in and sit back and rest in the fact that we have been addressed as believers, just as the church in Philippi, as those that can sit and have this grace and peace that only comes from God our Father. And it comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you and all making my prayer with joy. So there's an element of joy here. There's something that is going on in the church at Philippi that when Paul addresses them, he's not addressing them in a mode of correction, but in a mode of joy. There's an element that when she is writing this church, he's coming to them. He might address issues. He might address things, but he is addressing them as fellow co-laborers in the work of God, and he can address them with joy. (coughs) Why? Because in verse 5, he says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day. Until now, they had immediate buy-in. They had immediate uh, address, immediate, immediate response to the message in which Paul had for them. And in verse 6, he says, I am sure of this. I am confident of this. I have utmost, uh, utmost assurity in this. That he, listen to this, who began a good work in you. How many of you would say, God's began a work in me? 
God began a work in me. Listen, every one of us in the sound of my voice online and live and on the podcast that will go out next week can be assured that if you're hearing this, God has begun a good work, a new work, a fantastic work, an everlasting work. But when you understand that God has begun something in our lives, Paul takes it to the next level and he says, we'll bring it to completion. He doesn't begin something to leave us hanging, but he's going to bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We're works in progress. We may not attain it here on earth, but God has started something in every one of us that he's going to complete it in us, not leaving us hanging, not starting us to walk away. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. He's not going to turn our back on us. He's going to start a work to complete it in us. And it is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, hallelujah, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. Verse 8, for God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And here's the prayer. Verse 9, and it is my prayer that your love, listen to these words for, for the church, for these people and for you and I, that your love may abound more and more. How? With knowledge and discernment. So that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus. To the glory and praise of God. And I add to that, and we should all add to that, our amen. Amen. You see here, the prayer is riddled with permission to think like God. For the love that he is talking about, that your love may abound more and more, only comes because of what Jesus has worked within our lives. And there's a knowledge that I'm going to address here in just a little bit that comes only because the empowering of the Holy Spirit that is given to us. And I like this in verse 10, that you may approve what is excellent. How can we know what is excellent if we don't know the mind of Christ? And so be pure. So we can be pure and we can be blameless for the day of Christ. Do you realize that those of us, we that call on the name of the Lord for salvation, those that say that we are in the body of Christ, those that have aligned ourselves with the gospel message, those that have said yes to God, that have gotten off the throne of our lives and of our kingdom and have said no to that, but have said, God, you get Jesus, you get back up on your throne. I abdicate that. I step away from that throne. I am no longer going to commit treason. For those of us that have done that and lived in, decided to live away from that, we are no longer sinners saved by grace. We were sinners saved by grace. But I want to look at a room full of people and say, when we are on this side of salvation, we are no longer, it's, let me back up, let me say it this way, it is no longer legal for us to call ourselves sinners. I think sometimes we, we say, I just am a struggling sinner that God has saved. Listen, that is not biblically accurate. If we have the mind of Christ, if we are lived and made righteous by Christ, how on earth can we even claim back what God has saved us from? So I give you permission to think like God today. 
I want to show you a story in the, in the Gospels of, of Peter where he had a moment where he thought like God and something miraculous happened. I want to show you the power that we possess when we think like God, and that's found in Matthew chapter 16. Many of us, if we've grown up in church or been around Bible school or, or, or even Sunday school, have heard this story. If not, then this will be good for us to hear. And honestly, I say we read this for the first time today like we've never read it before. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 23, 10 very powerful verses for us to look at what happens when we operate in permission to think like God. And then what happens when we lose sight of that permission that says in verse 13, now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea, what's up? In, into the uh, district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others, yes, Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say I am? This is a a question that every one of us in the room must answer at some point. This is a a question that we all have got to answer and align ourselves with thinking like God for a moment. And Simon Peter in verse 16 replies, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon of Jonah or Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who who is in heaven. See, this is Peter demonstrating or his demonstration of thinking like God. In verse 18, Jesus says, And I tell you, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Now, I I think of this, and I look at this, and these are the kinds of thoughts God is able to do things that hell cannot overcome. Think about that. When we align ourselves with the permission that God has given us to think like Him, we begin to think thoughts that hell has no power over. Why on earth would we want to align ourselves with words that hell has power over? I'm here to say I want to align myself with words that hell has no power over. Amen? How many of you want to participate in the things hell cannot prevail against? Then start thinking like God. But... Peter messes this up, but before we get there... When we think like God, look at this. When we think like God, verse 19 goes on and Jesus says to Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And my point number one from here, I'm not even to the slides yet. (coughs) Sermon within the sermon. (coughs) Excuse me. When we think like God, A, we have access to heaven. Sign me up. You see, we get this when it says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Have you ever gone out, gone to, gone on vacation, had to leave and you had animals or plants that needed to be watered? So you just walk across the street to that neighbor you trust and you give them access to your house by giving them keys to your house? Maybe you've uh, had, had a family member that is in another area that needs to get into your home and you give them the keys to your house. You see, we've been given the keys to the house. I remember my grandma, when she was alive, she lived in Rogers, Arkansas, and she would go, I feel like she would go somewhere. 
See, I remember the story so well, right? But I remember there would be times that she would give me the keys to her house to stay. And when I would walk into her house to stay, the pantry was full. And the freezer and the refrigerator were full. And I could walk in and I could open the pantry and I could open the refrigerator and I could pull out from those things anything I wanted and I didn't have to ask for permission because of the access that I had, I automatically had permission to utilize the benefits of what was already made available in that house. And when we've been given the keys to heaven, we no longer have to go, oh God, I need you, please, can you heal me? Oh God, can you please prosper me? Oh God, can you please intervene in this behalf? We no longer need to ask for permission for God to do these things. It is an automatic benefit of the access that we have because he's given us the keys to heaven and it only comes through us thinking like him. You see what I'm saying? We have access to the benefits of heaven. We have access to the abundance of heaven. We have access to the open door of heaven. Bless you. And then when we continue reading in verse 9, and Jesus says, And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And that leads me to buy subpoint number two, or B, we have authority or the authority of heaven. And this is found in the binding and loosing. And again, it doesn't say that you'll have to ask God to deal with this and you'll have to ask God to deal with that and you'll have to ask God to set this free and you'll have to ask God to tie that up. No, it says you can do this. So when we are thinking like God, then all of a sudden when something comes against us, we don't have to say, God, would you please remove that from my life? No, you look at it and you say, get out of my life in Jesus' name. When something is attacking you, you can, God is fighting our battles, absolutely, but we can look at it and with the authority that we've been given, we can speak to those things and tell them to be removed in Jesus' name, amen? And we can set things loose to do things in might and in power. Listen, I believe it was Jeremiah in the Old Testament. I could get my major prophet wrong in just a minute, but the story is still just impactful. That he set out to ask God to intervene, and it didn't happen, and it didn't happen, and then it did happen. And what happened in the scenario is when he asked God to intervene, God dispatched the the archangel. I believe it was Michael or Gabriel, one of the two, but whatever. He dispatched the angel to go out and to make a difference and and in the moment the, the angel came against severe opposition and the prophet continued to pray and continued to seek God and continued to dispatch his authority that he had and eventually the the rescue came and you see that's the same authority but we've got to keep addressing and keep sending out and keep pursuing but we have this authority in binding and loosing, but it only comes when we think like God. We have got to think like God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to think like God. You need to think like God. Verse 20 says, when he strictly charged the disciples to tell tell no one, that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and, he, and, and be killed. And on the third day, he would be raised. So he's now revealed his plan. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be 
hung on, he doesn't say hung on a cross, but I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to be killed. But he does say three days later, I'm going to be raised. But Peter, verse 22, looked at him. This is in the same setup. Peter has a revelation. He's thinking like God. Jesus says, now that you understand who I am, this is what I'm going to do. And Peter looked at him, or he took him aside, and he began to rebuke him. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. If Jesus is in here, and I have a revelation of who he is, and he begins to tell me his plan, who am I now to begin to tell him he's wrong? But Pete, this is what Peter's doing. And he begins to rebuke him. Saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get me Get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. Whoa. How do we go in just a matter of moments in a conversation from being told that you have access to heaven and you have the authority of heaven to you are now Satan. And you now have to get behind me. You're a hindrance to what heaven can do. How do we go from access and authority to hindrance? This is significant. Do you see the significance? Access and authority to hindrance. This is what happened. When you continue to read the last part, it says, For you are not setting your mind on the things of God. You're not thinking like God, but on the things of man. You are thinking like man. You see, when you think like man, you're thinking like Satan. And that's sin. He went from access and authority to a hindrance to the things of heaven. You see, what does it look like to think like man? It's simple. To be able to think in the confines of what this earth has to offer versus the limitless power of what heaven has to offer. It goes from saying, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength to, oh, I, I don't know, I don't have the money. Oh, I don't know, we, we, I, I, I can't talk real well. I, I can't, I, I, I don't walk real well, I don't look good. I can't walk, I can't talk. I can't dance. I can't. What? It goes from seeing the unlimited potential of heaven to the limited potential of earth. It goes from having the faith that can move mountains to lacking the faith to see God move beyond our potential. Now there's there's another scenario that we can look at, and I'll try to briefly touch on it, found in the Old Testament where man was highly restricted. And as much as God tried to demonstrate his authority and tried to demonstrate, or more than that, get these people to think like him, the more he tried that, the more he showed them, the more he wanted to get them to come on board, the more they rejected that, and the more God had to address it we could look at the Israelites. 
as they came out of captivity, really in essence coming into another captivity. And the psalmist actually, not David in this context, but Asaph addresses this in Psalm 78. There are 72 verses in this, and I'm going to try to just highlight some of these. Tells the whole Exodus story in this psalm. Verse 1, a mascal of Asaph. Give ear, O my people, my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide from their children, but... Tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord in His might and the wonders that He has done. He has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which He commanded to our fathers or commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next, listen to this, that the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn, born, and arise and tell them to their children. So they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. And they should not be like their fathers. This description, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. The Ephraimites, they're armed with a bow, but yet they turn their back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to His law. They forgot His works and the wonders that He had shown them. In the sight of their fathers, He performed wonders in the land of Egypt, in the fields of Zoan. He divided the sea and let them pass through it. Listen to these things that they experienced and made the waters stand like a heap. In the daytime, He led them with a cloud, and at night with a fiery light, He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drinks, drink abundantly as from the deep, he made streams come out of the rocks that caused waters to flow down like rivers, yet they sinned. Still more against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Could God spread a table in the wilderness? He struck the rocks, so the water gushed out and streams overflowed. Can he also give bread or provide meat for his people? Constantly they're questioning what God is doing. They're grumbling, they're complaining. In verse 21, Therefore, when God heard, He was full of wrath. A fire was kindled against Jacob. His anger rose against Israel. Verse 22, Because they did not believe in God and did not trust His saving power. Does that sound like man thinking? They did not think like God. Verse 23, Yet He commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven. He rained down. Do you see that God still continues to try to bless us? He still shows grace. He still tries to demonstrate. He still tries to get us to get out of our stinking thinking and towards this godly thinking. And he rained down on them manna to eat and gave them grain of heaven. Man ate and the bread of the angels and he sent them food in abundance. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens and his power and he led the south wind. He rained meat on them like dust, uh, winged birds like sand of the sea. And he let them fall in the midst of their camp all around their dwellings. And they ate and were filled for he gave them what they, Vanessa, craved. Before Before they had satisfied their craving, while food was still in their mouths, the anger of the God arose against them. This word crave deals with desire, deals with what they longed for. The word is lust. 
It's the same word that was used when Eve saw the fruit on the tree back in Genesis chapter 3. It's the same word here for desire. It says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight in the eyes and that the tree was to be a desired, was to be desired to make one wise, she took its fruit and she ate. Isn't it interesting that God still oftentimes gives us those things that have nothing to do with his thinking. The people of God cried out for a king. God wanted them to cry out for him. And he gave him a king, which was never part of his original plan. God will answer our prayers. Or I should say our commands. But we've got to be careful what we ask for. For we can ask for the wrong things and fall into the world of man. But we can ask God, let me... Think like you. He killed the strongest of them and laid low the man of Israel. In spite of all of this, they still sinned. Despite his wonders, they did not believe. So he made their days vanish like the breath and their years in terror. When he killed them, they sought him. They repented and sought God earnestly. So we've got a little transition here. And then they remembered that God was their rock, their most high God, their redeemer, They flattered him with their mouths. They lied to him with their tongues. Their heart was not steadfast towards him. They were not faithful to his covenant. Yet he, being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained his anger against and did not stir up all his wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passes and comes not again. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Again, they testify, or tested God again and again and they provoked the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power or the day when he redeemed them and them from their foe. This is referring to when he got them out of Egypt. They did not remember. When he performed his signs in Egypt and his marvels, uh, marvels in the field of Zone. And it goes on and it just describes the plagues and the things that God did to, re, to, to uh, totally uh, demonstrate and to free them of their bondage. And it says in verse 53, skipping a few verses, he led them in safety. Verse 54, and he brought them to his holy land. Verse 55, he drove out nations before them. Verse 56, Yet they tested and rebelled against the Most High God and did not keep his testimonies. How do we keep his testimonies? We walk in what he says, we do what he says, and we say what he says. But turned away and acted treacherously like the fathers. They twisted like a deceitful bow or bow. You see, we have got to align ourselves with the thoughts of God. I want to look at a few more passages of Scripture, and then I'll preach my sermon. This is just my intro. I'll preach a very short sermon today. I really am almost done, I promise. We're good. We're good on time. Oh, goodness. We really are good on time. Oh, yeah. We're good. We're good. I want to look at a scenario now where God, through another prophet... shows us how to think like him. 
Isaiah 55. We're just going to look at nine verses real quickly. And Isaiah says, Come, come, everyone who is thirsty. Come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. So we've got a picture here of operating beyond the, beyond the restraints or confines of the world that we we're walking in. Right? This is this moving into a realm of faith. It's getting outside of, the, the like I was talking about earlier, the constraints of man. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for which, that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make you with an everlasting covenant my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Listen, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And here's the cool thing. Verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts, your thoughts. Right there is why we've got to think like God. Right there is why we cannot think like man and we've got to align with God. His thoughts are higher, my ways are not. Bottom line. So let's look at my primary text and I'll give you five observations. Primary text and five observations. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 18. Let's read this real quick. This will be on the screen. Yet among the nature, I'm sorry, the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. Verse 7. Well, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of our, for our glory. Moving on. But, or none of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the glory of God. Continuing... But as it is written, no eye has seen nor ear has heard the heart of man. Imagine what God has prepared for those who loved him. Wow. These things God has revealed to us to the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows the person's thought except the Spirit that, of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritual discern. The spirit person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him but we have the mind of Christ so let me share with you five observations about permission to think like God so I've set up a lot I know we've gone through a lot of scripture today and isn't it okay to let just scripture 
be part of this. I can tell you the scripture is a much better resource than this dude standing in front of you. All right, five observations. Number one, God has prepared something unimaginable. How cool is that? How do I know this? Verse nine. But as it is written, what no eye has seen or ear has heard for the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. See, we can't even imagine in this realm of permission to think like God. We can't even imagine what God has prepared for us who love him. So if he's prepared something, if he has something intent for us to eventually behold and to hear, why on earth would we avoid trying to think like him? It transcends this. And listen, we can't do it in our own ability. There has to be something, some empowering. I read somewhere that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. There's got to be some aspect of the empowering of the Holy Spirit to allow us to think like God. Observation number two. If if he's prepared something imaginable, then God's thoughts are uncomprehendable. I can't comprehend even what he has for me in his thoughts. Imagine. Just, okay, maybe we can't. Maybe we can't even imagine. Think about, for those of you who have kids... Do you think they can actually comprehend the dreams that you have for your kids? You realize that you don't even touch the candle on the dreams that God has for you? Verse 11 says, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Observation number three, the Spirit is given so we can understand things freely given by God. So we've got to have the Spirit involved, the Holy Spirit in our lives. Verse 12, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, which is man's way, but the Spirit whom is from God, which is the Holy Spirit, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So we cannot think like God, if we don't have God indwelling us. And God indwells us through the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that soon. Observation number four, the Spirit is given to interpret spiritual truths. Verse 13, as we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Verse five, we've been given the mind of Christ. And we find that for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. But here it is. But we have been given the mind of Christ. That's the last of 13 pages. So I could have summed this all up, narrowed this all down, and taught on the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. And I'm not going to do that. I will teach on that again very, 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 very soon. Who knows? He may let me do it next week. But I'm going to tell you this. To think like God, we have to be filled with the filling aspect, not E-E-L-I-L-L, the filling aspect of God. We've got to be indwelled. We have to be completely surrendered to And we've got to be subject to his will.
and we can no longer be limited by our surroundings, our circumstances, and we've got to be willing to say yes to everything that he has for us. I'm telling you, God's got some amazing things in store for you and I, for this church, for your families, for your future. But we cannot get there. We will not get there if we think like man. He has given you permission today to think like him. Amen. Well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. I hope it's challenged you and enriched your life. I hope it's helping you live a life closer to service with Jesus Christ. Hey, if it's done anything for you today, if it's meant anything, we could use your support. And there's several ways you can do that. First off, you can pray for us. Pray as we're doing our church plant here in northeastern Oklahoma that God is totally blessing all of our efforts. But also in the area of support, if you want to give financially to what we're doing, you can go to our website at WLMiama.com. That's W-L-M-I-A-M-I. and click on the Give tab and go through the process there to contribute. And also, if you are in the area near Miami, Oklahoma on a Sunday morning, why don't you join us for our live experience at 10 a.m.? We'd love to see you. God bless.